Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. Every two weeks, we post podcast versions of one of our free training videos, or you can access our videos now at beyondordinarywomen.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Daigle of Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, and I'd like to welcome you to this video Today, our special guest is Dr. Sandra Glon, who's a professor at Dallas Seminary. And we are going to be talking about revisiting the question of women in public ministry. And Sandy, I've been very excited to talk to you about this you. because I know that over the past few years, there have been lots of questions about women in public ministry. Recently, yes. From some of the things that I've read and some of the things that I've heard, it seems that there is some criticism that even the very conversation about this is only happening because the culture demands it and not really because it's biblical in any way. And, and even some fear that people who want to revisit it but are afraid, they've, they've heard that there have been 2,000 years of church history until radical feminism in America and that's why we're revisiting it. That's just not the case. So. There are a number of developments that have happened in culture that give us a good reason to revisit. The first one is when feminism hit the academy around 50s, 60s, 70s, you started having women looking at texts and history and archaeology, and they were asking different questions than what typically the men had asked. So we had, prior to that, we had troop movements. We had, you know, the game of risk, right? We had military. Uh, if we knew about women, they were connected to famous men, Cleopatra, the wife of, you know, name your emperor. And another factor that happened was in the Reformation time and around then, when the convents and monasteries were emptied, some of it was the king, King Henry VIII wanted the land back, so he sold it. For whatever reason, we lost the history of the saints told every week in church. The Reformation kind of kicked out saints because the Bible does say every Christian is a saint. That's valid. The challenge that we lost with that then, though, was because we don't look at St. Barbara, and we still know St. Patrick, St. Valentine, you know, the Feast of Stephen, but for the most part, we lost those daily biographies because there were about three saints a day and, and then big, you know, big, big saints holidays. So we lost the biographies, and we're recovering some of those. With women in the academy, you also had a much bigger focus on social history. So we were asking questions like, what did they eat? What was the, what was the average life expectancy? What were the power structures? What were the laws that related to women or fashion? Or how did they give birth? Sitting down in water? All these kinds of questions that hadn't really been on the radars of the male scholars. Right. And so what that means is we've had a huge amount of new data. And social history backgrounds are all through the New Testament, right? It's a, the best document we have of just commoners in the first century. It's not King's journals. So that's part of why religious studies have been interested in the New Testament, even if they're not interested in it as scripture. Right. So you had that huge factor, coupled with the internet. So what that means is, like for example, I was doing research on Artemis of the Ephesians. There was a little tiny journal of Anatolian studies that I'd never heard of. And I never would have heard of it, except that once I had the internet and could start Googling Artemis and studies about Artemis, Google Scholar starts connecting people all over the world who've done pockets of research that don't know about each other. 
And yeah, so there's an explosion like a mushroom cloud of this validates what I was saying. Oh, this you know invalidates what I was saying. And all these scholars talking combined with Google Translate, which meant, A, I could read Anatolian studies in Greek or Koine or whatever, but it also meant when I went to talk to a scholar, I didn't have to type it up, take it to a translator, mail it, wait for them to receive it, for them to get a translator, wait around for a response. It was months before you had a response. Today, if I can find an email address, I run it through Google Translate, and I have an answer that afternoon. <laughs> that has done amazing things, as you can imagine, Absolutely. for what we know about Bible backgrounds. And if you take something like 1 Corinthians 11, which talks about head coverings, we now know that its reference to shaved heads wasn't prostitutes, because we have, you can walk into first century brothels in Pompeii, as that's been uncovered, and you can see that they have a full head of hair. Right. So it means something different, right? So all those factors come together to really give us a lot more information. But the, but the other thing that has happened is Me Too hit, and there's been a recognition by men and women alike that while we were very careful to guard the church against radical feminism, we were not guarding her against radical patriarchy. <laughs> and so, you know, there were people saying that in the past, but, you know, you pretty much got dubbed one of them until it became apparent this is a really big, serious problem in our churches. And so all those factors together are really good reasons for us to relook at, you know, women doing Bible translations saying, you know, you translated that he, 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 but it's really that person, that person, that person. And so while it might even have been well-intentioned, um, we read it and we think it's talking only about men. Let me give you an example. First Timothy, when it talks about if, if a man does not provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. The Greek says if someone does not provide for that person's family, that person is worse than an unbeliever. And you scroll down a few verses and it actually says Christian women should take care of the widows. And then you start looking at church history on the translation of that, and a lot of older folks thought it didn't even refer to men at all. So that's an example of something that's been translated that we read he, 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 and assume it's the man's job to provide, you know, bring home the bacon. Right. It's a very post-industrial revolution way of looking at it anyway, right? If you have an agrarian society, you just don't have that he's in the factory. So all those factors together are a great reason for us to revisit the question. Well, that, that's really interesting. Some of this I've read in some of your other blog posts that you've posted about some of these issues, but some of that was new to me. So that's wonderful to think about why we need to revisit it. We can't just let it lie there and not study these things because we could be misinterpreting, misteaching, mis misusing the scriptures in many ways if we if we don't heed what we can find out today. Thank you. And we are going to have two other videos as we talk further about this. So I hope you'll join us for those. We're going to post on our blog a list of many of the resources that Sandy has written in blog post on Bible.org in the past. If you will just search under our blog at beyondordinarywomen.org on revisiting, use the word revisiting, that will be our keyword, and that post should come up, and it will take you to many other resources that she has used. 
We'll also have a resource sheet with just a few resources that you might be interested in on our website next to this video, if you get to the video there. And if you have any trouble, just contact me at beyondordinarywomen.org and I will tell you exactly where to go. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcasts and information about women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast was produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Kay Halligan, Deborah Herring, Sharifa Stevens, and John Sparks. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used by courtesy of Christine Miller.